Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of uh, the show. Have a pretty good one today. We have a guest. I'll mention who that is here in a moment. But first, welcome to Break the Cycle with DSD. I am your host, Dwayne. I'm not a therapist. I'm an individual much like you who has developed some tips and techniques over the years that I've used to help get my life back that I share with you to help you do the same. Break that cycle of toxic abuse and uh, strengthen the relationship with your kids. If you like what we have going on, nope, see, I got it confused. Only a licensed professional can diagnose an individual with a personality disorder, so be careful throwing around diagnoses. Leave that to the professionals. You don't want to start saying stuff that hurts your credibility because that's pretty much all we have. And once you lose that, things tend to go downhill from there. Then what I meant to say is if you like what we have going on here and you want to support, you can do that by becoming a channel member. Just go over to youtube.com slash divorce. Look for the join button. And if you, when you click that, you're rewarded with special badges, custom emojis, your names listed in the credits and member only events. And there is one tomorrow. So I posted in the, in the community tab for the members, the link for that. So hopefully we'll have a good turnout with that. If you want to get a text notification of when the show goes live, you can text DSD Live to 844-598-0012, 844-598-0012, and you will get a SMS notification directly to your phone with the link for the show so that whenever YouTube fails us, you have a backup plan so that you don't miss, <laughs> miss a show. And finally, we are going to try this. We did this the other day with Alex, but we'll try this with this guest today, too. If you want to call in and ask a question, and what I, what I mean on that is call in, ask, and make it kind of quick, concise, what exactly you're looking for. Uh, you can do that by dialing 1424-373-5483, 1424-DSD-LIVE. Uh, and on that, let me sh- turn that down. Uh, Chris Godinez, let me punch her in, is joining us again uh, so I'll, I guess last time I forgot to do this. So what I will do is I will, before I, before I give the floor over to her, I'll switch this over to this. This is her YouTube channel. We need to talk with Chris Godinez. Chris is a licensed professional counselor in Arizona. Uh, so she does a weekly show that she covers, uh, uh, the topic that they've chosen. And then throughout the week, sometimes she'll post questions and answers and definitely check out her website at chrisgodinez.com. Find out more about her, and I'm going to click over here. You can check out the books that she's written uh, right here. So, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, my love. How are you? I get. I feel a little hyper. Well, <laughs> <laughs> too much energy this morning. But hey, it's a Friday, and we and we have you joining us, and that always excites me. So, oh, cool. what uh, what we were talking about the other or for the audience, what we were thinking is like, oh, what would be a good show? And Chris is like, you know, we should talk about the holidays. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's perfect. I always forget. I always think about that after the holidays start. And uh, I think that's a, a, great th- a great topic. But before we jump into that, is there anything you want to throw out there real quick before we get started? You were asking me earlier, what is CBT? What is the modality CBT? So CBT yeah. stands for cognitive behavioral therapy. So cognitive meaning thoughts. So it's addressing the mistaken thoughts, the mistaken beliefs that somebody has that is causing the anxiety, the depression, the, you know, whatever else is going on. It all boils down to the thoughts. So cognitive behavioral therapy is working on mistaken thoughts, mistaken beliefs. Now I've heard before that that's like the, one of the only, or one of the I don't know, pr- proven is the right way, but uh, successful for people with like BPD. Um, but it's not yeah. just for that, right? No, no, it's for anything. So it's, it's, 
it's kind of mindfulness, but not. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. Right. It's like cognitive, meaning you work on the the thought patterns, the what are the consistent thought patterns? What are you cons- consistently telling yourself? What are you saying to yourself when you wake up in the morning? Are you damning yourself first thing in the morning or are you nice to yourself first thing in the morning? You know, what are you okay. thinking? What are you, you know, what do you think about this situation? What is this internal critic telling you? That kind of thing. It's a little, it's a little bit of mindfulness, but it's, it's a lot of cognitive. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Why are you thinking? Why are you feeling? What's the motivation? What's underneath this? You know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I think that, that, you know, often, and I know we're, this is kind of veering off a little bit, but I think this is important. You know, I, I know I've often said to people, you know, look for different things that work for you. Right. I mean, I, I did therapy. Um, I'm not sure what techniques, you know, I mean, it wasn't so much that my therapist was saying, we're going to try this technique, you know, so she was doing what she was doing. I was reading books. Um, I tried hip or I did hypnosis. I mean, all these different things and and those together helped me, but that is, I mean, hell that tool probably would have helped me back in the day too. I mean, so it, if you're, if you're struggling and and something hasn't worked yet, be open-minded to try something like that. And I just wanted to throw it out there because I think a lot of people in the narcissistic abuse recovery community have a tendency to think, oh, CBT is for, for, for people with personality disorders, so I don't want to be anywhere near there. And that's not really the case. I mean, I already... No, DBT, DBT is the one that they use for borderline personality disorder. Oh, okay, okay. Dialectic behavioral therapy. Now, you can use CBT for borderline personality disorder as well. Okay. But the dialectic behavioral therapy is very much mindfulness based, very much. It's almost like westernized Buddhism. <laughs> oh, okay. When you think about it. So it's, it's very intense and it's very, it's very mindful based and to... it's very, and that is the one that, that has the efficacy with borderline personality disorder. If it's in the trace. Ah, hold on a second. Stage. Sorry about that. I keep hitting the wrong button. Go ahead. <laughs> So it's, it's DBT has got efficacy if it's in the traits of stage for as well, Okay, but the, it will not make a difference with narcissism. They do not change. And let's dive into our topic of the holidays. Yes, so, absolutely. When we have a holiday, the big question that I always get is why do narcissists always ruin every single holiday, every birthday, anniversary, graduations, anything that's important? Why do they do that? It is because they do not have empathy. They cannot feel joy. They cannot feel love. They cannot feel excitement for themselves or another person. You know, the the excitement they feel for themselves is all ego-based. So um, when there is a holiday and it is not about them, they come unglued. They get literally livid that they cannot feel the joy that everybody else is feeling. And that is why they set about to ruin it. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, cause that I've, I've, I've experienced, well, not so much the holidays, but I've experienced special events being ruined. Um, and it always messed with my head. I didn't quite understand it. And uh-huh. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, it's, it's one, it falls into one of those patterns. It's that, that, that they do anyway. So it's like, everybody seems to experience it. It's like, why do they ruin everything? Because they don't feel, they don't yeah. feel joy and they're literally livid about it. They are literally angry that they cannot feel the joy that everybody else is feeling. Cause you know how it is like when you walk down the street and there's all the Christmas decorations up and you're like, Oh yeah. 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 You know, but a narcissist does not feel that there is not that organic joy, joie de vie of living of the Christmas season or of Thanksgiving. 
So anytime that there is a family get together, they are going to cause drama and they will already have in their mind how to ruin it. Seriously. Yeah. Listen to me now. Believe me later. These marvelous MFers, human beings. Yeah. Marvelous freaks of nature. Right. Um, <laughs> seriously, they have in their mind how to ruin it before they even walk into your house or walk into the guest's house. They've already picked out a scapegoat. They've already picked out exactly how they're going to disrupt the party. So what you have to do is you have to have a plan in place. So the easiest way to avoid this, honest to God, don't effing invite them or don't go where you know they're going to be. That's the easiest way to avoid it. The next thing that you would have to do if it's not your party and if you are choosing to go because you want to see other family members, right. have a plan. This is why communication is immensely important in dysfunctional families that have that one or two or 10 narcissists. It's important that the rest of them get together and talk and have a plan. So let me give you an example. We in our family, there are several, you know, on, on both John's side and my side, there are several disordered people, correct? Yeah. So we would go to a family dinner over at John's family's house. And there was this one family member who has since departed this mortal coil, thank God. Alcoholic, narcissist, disordered, like nobody's business. He would come in and he would start insulting everybody. Like he'd make his way around the room and just, you know, throw, throw pasta at the wall to see what would stick. And basically everybody got together and was like, don't respond to Tim, don't say anything, just pretend it's okay. Just don't say just gray rock. You know, and at the time, this was years ago. This is before I started studying all of this stuff. And you know, it worked not <laughs> responding to them worked yeah. because he got pissed off because he couldn't poke the bear and he couldn't get anybody to fight with him. So what they do is they either look for somebody to fight with, or they already have in their mind who they're going to fight with. Right. So if there is a scapegoat in the family that this particular narcissist or abuser has always picked on, you assign somebody to both and oh, you okay. keep them separate. You keep them separate. So, you know, let's say that Aunt Bertha always picks on cousin Mike, right? So you're going to assign somebody to cousin Mike to keep him safe. And you're going to assign somebody to Aunt Bertha to distract her. Oh, Aunt Bertha, look at that. You know, she's heading over to cousin Mike. Aunt Bertha, I really need your help with the gravy right now. Oh my God, I can't do it without you. Right. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to assign people to protect the scapegoat and you're going to assign somebody to the problem child, basically, if you choose to have everybody over at dinner. Now, my personal choice would be to be like, you know what? Screw you. I'm not having anybody that's dysfunctional over at my house. Have a nice life. Right, right. But if you can't do that, then you've got to assign roles you've got to assign so and they do this at weddings too guys i mean i've seen narcissists literally pitch a fit because the wedding was not about them oh i hear that a lot from people yeah so what you do is you assign roles and here's the thing you've got to be fearless you cannot be afraid of these people and this is what pisses me off is when family systems go, oh, no, we have to coddle them because their little ego is hurt. And we need to, you know, if we just coddle them, they'll stop having a temper tantrum. No, they will not stop having a tantrum tantrum. They will not 
stop destroying. Their whole goal, listen to me now, believe me later, scorched earth. If they can't feel the joy and the love, they no don't one want else anybody. Yeah, no one else can either. Well, yeah. and I was going to say the problem is even if you do, even if you do try that, somebody will do something that slips up and, I, and, and then they get, I mean, so it's still the, you know, uncle Tim flips out and then mm-hmm. they'll, instead of blaming or putting blame where it goes, it's like, well, you shouldn't provoke him. It's like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's like, it's, yeah. you know, you're walking on eggshells and you broke an egg, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. Well, that's, that's why I'm saying it nine times out of 10, it's not worth it going to a family dinner yeah. to see uh, Ed when you know, you're going to be having to put up with 10 different dysfunctional other family members. You know, if you really love Ed that much, go have coffee with them some other time. Seriously. It's, it's just not worth it, but they, they will. And this is why they ruin it because they can't feel it. They don't want anybody else to feel it because it, it enrages them. Have you, I'm sure you have, Yeah. but if you've ever seen a narcissist have a meltdown because they could not feel it's not pretty. And every, every Thanksgiving, the elder boys, when this person got drunk, when Tim got drunk, they would just literally pick him up and carry him out of the house. Wow. I know. It's like, Oh, okay. So yeah. Well, let's flip this around. Cause I mean, that's that, and that's great. And, and I mean, I know that that's one aspect of it, but the second aspect of it, and we'll talk about people who are still in a relationship with a toxic person because I don't know how many times I've talked to people where they've had an experience, a really important, you know, big birthday or something. And their nart, their, their wonderful supportive husband or wife destroys them emotionally before. And then is at the last minute is able to put on the show, walk in the door, all happy. And nobody understands why, why, why are you so sad? Why are you not happy? This is your experience. You know, they've ruined it for you, but they're able to put on this presentation to where everyone thinks like, Oh my God, you are so lucky that you have such an amazing husband or an amazing wife, you know, that's so supportive and no one realizes that for the, you know, the last hour before the event, you've been completely emotionally destroyed and there is no excitement or joy in the event because it's been ruined. I mean, how do you deal with it? I mean, how does a person, Oh yeah. I mean, I know what the short answer is GTFO, but you know, what, how do you deal with that? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So it's really hard to heal while you're in the middle of an abusive relationship because you're constantly getting destroyed. You're constantly having your security ripped out from underneath you and you're constantly having reality questioned Yeah, because the abuser is like you said, coming in before anybody gets there and destroying you, just raging and screaming and nothing you do is right. And you're fat and you're old and you're ugly and you're this and you, 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 you guns. Right. And then, like you said, as soon as the guests come in, they are prince or princess charming. And everybody's looking at you like you're crazy when you say that there's abuse going on. This is intentional, guys. This is intentional. They are setting up the flying monkeys and they are doing this on purpose. So how do you protect yourself? Well, here's the thing. If somebody ever does that to you, they have shown you who they really are. Healthy, normal people do not seek to harm destroy, create drama. You know, I ordered a t-shirt and it's got a llama on it and it says only you can prevent drama. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. I'm going to wear that. (laughs) 
but yeah, so healthy, normal people don't do that. When somebody has a special day, you revel in making it special for them. You revel in, in, in their happiness. You yeah. Know? And even but, if you, and I would say even to add on to that, a normal person, even if you're kind of annoyed about something, you don't choose that day to pick it. You're like, you know what? This isn't the day. I'll do it the week before, a few days after, whatever. But if there's some serious issue, you let it go with that. I think, you know, yeah. you, you don't destroy the moment because of some issue. You're like, okay, you know. Yep. I mean, so I guess people, they, it's, it's amazing how hard it is for people to, to just take a pause, look at what's going on, believe it, and then make decisions, you know, to try to take their lives back. It's just crazy. Well, it's... It's partially because the target so desperately wants that illusion yeah. of a person who was love bombing them. Why can't they just come back? Why can't they just be, you know, healthy, normal people that they were? Where did my Prince Charming go? Where did, you know, where did this person go? What happened? And so because we are loving and kind and forgiving we have a tendency to go, Oh, Oh, well, they didn't, you know, they didn't mean it. Right. We minimize it. We minimize it because we want them to be the person that they, we thought they were. And so we go, Oh, they didn't, they didn't really mean it. They didn't, you know, Oh, this was a one-off, but here's the thing. <laughs> Once total fluke, right. Twice, coincidence, three or more times pattern, believe it. It's funny you say that because, and then the, the flip side to it is, is the target. And I can say this from experience is you can make excuses for the person, but then you like forget that you made, they can spin it around to where you feel like all the problems are your fault. And it's not until, at least for me, it wasn't until later when people would say, man, your ex would do all these different things and you would make excuses for it. Cause I remember that. I mean, we come in, I mean, my, my ex, this one story, it was on her birthday. So we went to my dad's house, my dad and my stepmom. And, uh, they, uh, you know, they got her a cake, you know, they were trying to make it a special day. She walks in. I mean, it's just her day, right? I mean, this is her, her, you know, they're trying to make her feel better, feel good or whatever. And she walks in and she's like, you know, oh, your house is messy. You know, oh, look, there's a, I mean, and, and we're not, we, we weren't like super clean, right? My, my dad, and my stepmom were like almost compulsively clean. You know, it's like, you know, they, you, you put your hand on the, on the countertop and they're coming behind it to, to get the fingerprints off. That's the type of people they are. But she would be like, oh, there's a cobweb up in the corner. Oh, chocolate cake. I don't really like chocolate cake. I mean, just a complete and total, uh, glorious human being. But I would, well, I would be like, oh, well, she was nervous. She, you know, I mean, it was, I mean, I would always make excuses for it. And it wasn't until much later that I even realized that I was even doing that. Right. And we don't, when we're in the middle of it, we don't realize that we're making excuses. And the reason why is, is because we are addicted to those intermittent positive rewards. So yeah. when the, when the abuser is good, they're great. And, you know, and that's, I hear this over and over again, but, but, but when they're good, it's amazing. Well, yeah. Cause they're love bombing. And when it's bad though, it's deadly, like literally deadly. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, well, and that's the other part of this that people need to realize is that, you know, you, you really have to have the open mind to see, you know, sometimes they're just emotionally abusive, which that can, you know, I mean, that can push you over the edge. 
But sometimes you're the mouse that's been dropped into the snake cage and you're just bouncing around. Oh, look at my new little friend, not realizing that at any moment when they when they finally get bored, they're just going to go kabam. I mean, yeah. so it's. Uh, yeah. I just got a, an I am from a person who listens to our podcasts. Deadly situation. Yeah. Post pictures of the bruises and the broken bones and the whole thing. And I was like, oh, my God, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. They've shown you who they are. But our abused brain goes, but, 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 and that is deadly. Denial is deadly when somebody shows you who they really are believe, believe them the first time yeah it's you know but i and i think that's the the thing to for people need to remember is it's common for people to do that i was actually talking to a coaching client the other day and they were in a shelter and you know like well am i am i doing the right thing and i'm like you know, I mean, so I had, we had a, we had a long conversation obviously, but, uh, um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard for people to, to let go of that fake. And, and it is fake. It was not real, uh, you know, love bombing and the, that illusion, it wasn't reality. It was manipulation. Yeah, absolutely. And people are also very reluctant to let go of the fantasy of having a happy family. Oh my God. So ding, ding, and that's, ding, I did that. That's the inner child right there wanting to have that happy Disney Christmas family. So let's talk a little bit about Hoovers because this is not only holiday season, it's Hoover, Hoover season. <laughs> happy so Hoover now, to you. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> between now and February 14th is Hoover season. And on top of that, we also have the pandemic hoover oh man so yeah oh no i'm not even kidding you i can't tell you the number of clients that have been like you will not believe who just called me after 10 years <laughs> you know oh, oh i gotta punch <laughs> in for that so that i just want to dwell on that guys these people don't stop they're like a freaking terminator maybe they've been in the closet and they're, they've been powered down their little cell has been powered down as soon as they power back up you know they'll come back don't yep. f and don't fall for it. I mean, if 10 years later they come back, don't think, oh, I'm 10 years. Stay the hell away from them. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And even 10 years later, last last year, year before, I had a client where 20 years she was no contact. 20 years later, the guy calls her up. Oh, baby, I was just thinking about the good times and I really miss you. And it's been so long and I've changed so much. Don't believe it. Yeah. Are you, and, and if you want to believe it, say, that is so awesome for you. I wish you such the greatest life. Hey, I got to go. Bye. Click. You know, if, I mean, I, you know, you, and I know we're kind of distracted, but I just want to, I want to dwell on that for, for a moment because, you know, we want, well, we want the person to get fixed and we want that illusion to go back. It's like once, once you've dipped your toe into that nightmare, it's over. Stay the hell away from them. Even, even if they do, you know, I mean, the only, I would say maybe best case scenario, if you have children and that change in them, if they've really had some life epiphany and, and has changed, which is highly unlikely, but if it is true and you guys could then maybe potentially co-parent together in a more effective way, great, but stay, I mean, keep your guard up because these people do not stop. And they don't change. And so they don't change. Yeah. Reiterate this. Sorry. No 
narcissists do not, don't apologize. Narcissists do not change. They do not, do not, do not, do not, because they don't feel, they don't have empathy. They don't have that cog. That's why they rage. That's why they're angry when people are happy. That's why they ruin holidays. That's why they ruin weddings. That's why they ruin anniversaries, birthdays, any special occasion. They will even ruin their own birthday. So I've had many examples of a narcissist getting a special present from their target. Like the target goes, oh, I know that this person's really going to love this. And so they give it to them and they rage about it because they can't feel and they're pissed. So let me... Let's roll into one other thing that which will probably really key on uh, with uh, my community, and that's whenever you're separated or divorced from a toxic ex, and you know you might be rolling into the holidays and your you know your whole world has been exploded. So you've lost your 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 spouse. Uh, maybe you don't have your kids. I mean, how should somebody who's rolling into the holidays going, "Oh my God, I'm going to be alone for the first time." And they're dealing with all the triggers and the PTSD of, oh, we used to, you know, we used to go drive down and look at all the Christmas lights, or we used to go to that restaurant, or we used to, you know, how do you deal with that whenever you're by, and and, there, and there's, there'll be a second part to this question, but how do you deal with that part of it? Well, so here's the thing. You are going to be grieving. And in that first year is the hardest because you have to get through all of the new firsts. So the first Thanksgiving, maybe not having the kids or the first Christmas, not having the kids or, you know, whatever. And then you throw the pandemic stuff on top of it where we're all completely isolated and we, you know, are being told don't go visit friends and family, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really important to get a support group somewhere, you know, online, obviously, and have that connection. We need connection. We are social animals. And in our society, we're constantly told, no, 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 you can't grieve. Well, this is not something to grieve about. I'm sorry, bullshit. Because you have lost a way of being. You have lost that family unit because the narcissist decided to blow it apart. The kids may or may not be with you. So you are going to be grieving. So in that first year, honor the grief. And you may not feel like celebrating unless the kids are around. Now, if the kids are around, obviously you're going to put on a, a happy face and put up the Christmas tree and, you know, all of that. But, you know, if the kids are not there, allow yourself to grieve because it is a loss. It is. And the ex will do whatever they can to make it as miserable as possible for you. So my suggestion is create new holiday traditions for yourself. Find an online community that you can get support from. And the best revenge is to live well. So do what you can, but do honor your grief. Write and burn letters. Grieve, cry, allow yourself to feel. See, I'm glad you finished that last part because I was going to ask you, I was going to say, well, what does is, what is honoring your grief mean? I mean, especially for, for men because they're so indoctrinated to you know suck it up, um, you know, don't cry in front of, well, you know, I mean, that's still... I don't know if that's still the case. I know that. I mean, I'm, old, I'm 50. So, I mean, I've, I've, I grew up in that environment, so I'm not going to sit around with a bunch of my buddies and start crying. But, uh, um, I know for me, I mean, I, 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 and I think part of the issue for me during that period of time when I was going through that, it was like, since I didn't know how to, I guess, honor my grief and or honor my emotions, it was incredible. The things that would set me off, I would be sitting home watching, you know, a movie 
And if it was about a happy family, I would break down. If it was about a broken up family, I would break down. If it was about a family, I mean, it was like any anything and everything was causing me to basically spiral out of control. And I guess basically what you're saying is, is what I really needed to do is just sit there and just endure it and feel it. We have a tendency in this society to push away any emotion that is not happy, yeah. right? Which is not normal. So especially grief is not honored in this society. I mean, when I worked at the uh, New Song Center, which was dealing with children's grief, you know, they lost parents or brothers or sisters or whatever. The parent who had lost a, a, a child, there was a sibling that was there and the sibling had died. The parent was told at work three days after losing this child that they needed to stop crying. Wow. Seriously? Seriously. So our society does not handle death. It does not handle grief or loss very well. And think about it. How narcissistic are our corporations? Yeah. How narcissistic is our society? Narcissists can't handle any emotion that they don't personally want to see. So that's why they get angry when somebody cries. That's why they get angry when somebody is sad. That's why they get angry when somebody is happy because they cannot feel it. No, that's a good that point. Good? Yeah, no, I mean, that's it. It's, uh, you know, it's such a tough time for, for people. I mean, especially whenever, I mean, if you, if you're going, so then the flip side to this would be, you know, you do have your kids and I'm trying to think, cause like the first, this was really weird. The first, the first, whenever we separated, so I'm being, you know, in, in, for, for my situation, I was being the, the normal, the normal smear. Uh, I'm emotionally abusive. I'm phys physically abusive. Uh, you know, I shouldn't have, I, I should didn't, she never said supervised visits, but it was like, you know, you're a piece of crap. So you should only have standard visitation, which that in itself was a weird argument, right? It's like, if you're going to go in, go all in. But the flip side to it was the first holiday, the first Christmas was like, oh, well, you can have them. And she ended up jumping on an airplane and going back and visiting, you know, her family and, uh, you know, just kind of like bailed on the kids. So Christmas Day, she wasn't here. She was out of state. But I, I anyways, that was I guess that was more of a statement. But but the flip side okay, well, is, well, go ahead. Well, this affects the kids because the kids are like, why isn't mom or dad here? Why don't they care enough yeah. to celebrate with us? And you, this is so common, guys. I can't even begin to tell you. So last year, there was a family I was working with and the um, mom had set up this beautiful Thanksgiving dinner, invited the ex. They'd been divorced for several years. The ex said, oh, of course I'll be there. Of course, I'll never showed, never showed. And then the kids were left going, why doesn't daddy love us? Why doesn't, why didn't he care enough to come? Because his excuse was so fucking flimsy. It was just like, you're kidding me. You, you put together a bike rather than, and, and went on a bike ride with your buddies rather than spend Thanksgiving with your family. It's yeah. I mean, well, and so then, and then I'll just add on to this. I mean, as a, as a child experiencing this, what my mom would do, and I know we've talked about this before, but, but she would like, Hey, your dad's going to come by. You're going to come by. I literally have memories of sitting in the window, peering through the window, you know, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? And you know, he doesn't show up. And it wasn't until much later that I realized he never even knew. Right. I mean, it was a complete manipulation. I mean, and that was bad. I mean, so, you know, like I said, I'm 50. So you roll the clock back to when I was 13. There wasn't cell phones. There weren't, hell, there weren't even pagers. I mean, there wasn't, 
it wasn't like I could, I could text dad and say, Hey, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, where are you dad at your, or something like that. I mean, right. so it, it goes, but so it's sorry, but it's both ways. I mean, it's like, there's people who will do, do the opposite and be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be there and then bail. And it's like, and, and you, you brought up a good point or just kind of, and it kind of ties in together is then you start going through your head going, well, the kid's going to take it personally. And then the, the adult, the other adult parent is going to be like, that's that SOB. They did it on purpose. And, and they did it to hurt me. And it's realistically, it could be, it could be just as simple as, Hey, at the moment I decided I was going to go build a bike and go ride with my friends. And it has nothing to do with anybody other than them. Right. But kids don't realize that. Oh no. Oh no, they don't. And when I say egocentric, I don't mean egocentric, like a narcissist. I mean, they've got that thinking that everything revolves around them. And so it's something that they did or something that they said, I will hear children say that. And it's so heartbreaking because little ones take it personally and little ones think it's something that they said or that they did that kept mom or dad away. And you, this is why it is hugely important. Get your children into therapy. If you are divorcing, get your children into a goddamn good therapist and you're going to start talking to them. You're not going to badmouth the other parent, but you are going to call out the inappropriate behavior. You're going to call it out. This yeah. is not normal. It's not about you. You didn't do anything. This is completely on whoever. They're an adult, you know, and it's not your fault that they didn't show up. So you want to be honest with them because otherwise the kid is going to make it about themselves. Well, and I, and I mean, just to dovetail on that, I mean, I remember, um, I, I think probably both my therapist and the kids therapist said that, and I'm looking at my kids going, fine. I'm thinking that, right. You know, I'm, but I mean, I didn't completely discount it, but I will say that later the, every one of my children at various ages from, you know, I don't know, like from, you're talking about like from, you know, maybe seven, eight years old, maybe up to fifth, 14, all said at one point that they thought it was their fault and it blew my mind. I mean, so, so I, I just, I just want to dovetail with what, what Chris is saying here kids internalize this stuff. And I know even if you don't think you don't like therapy, you're trying to, or what we're trying to do is, is make sure our kids heal these effing wounds now so that they don't have to find somebody to, to, to marry, to say, well, my dad never showed up. So I'm going to marry this person that's, that reminds me of my dad subconsciously so that I can prove that he finally loves me and guess what? You're probably going to get proved that a bad person's a bad person. Right. So. Right. Because we do do that. You're absolutely right. We find a romantic partner that reminds us of the parent that we had the hardest time with. And if we can make this person out here love us, then we prove our family of origin wrong in our, in our little inner child's head. But unfortunately, we have half of a doo-doo sandwich, half of a doo-doo sandwich, <clears throat> total doo-doo sandwich. Yeah. I have Vulcer. I, one of, one of the people, oh, I can't pull it up. He asked, uh, you know, oh, I think I just grabbed the one. What question do you, it was, let me, it's the one right above it. It says, how do you know they're a good therapist? How, you know, how do you know that the therapist should find it for your child or hell, even for yourself? I know we've talked about this in the past, but you know, if you could just hit it really quick. You interview them, you talk to them and you make sure that they are trauma informed because dealing with a personality disordered parent 
is traumatic, both for you and the kids. So you make sure that they are trauma informed and you make sure that they are working on the trauma, self-esteem focused, self-esteem and boundary focused, and you interview them. You interview them like crazy. Now, some therapists can sit there and lie for sure right. and say, oh yeah, of course I'm, I'm trauma focused with this, that, and the other thing. Well, you go in and you sit down and you talk to them. You have a session with them to see if they jive. And if they don't, you don't use them. Yeah. I mean, basically make sure that you have rapport so that mm -hmm. then if you have your kid, now I had another person who I'll just hit this cause I can kind of relate to this when I was younger. Uh, Merch says, I don't agree with the blanket statement, get your child into therapy. So for people, and, I, and what, I'll, what I'll dovetail on that is, is that when I was younger, um, not, I didn't, not through the divorce, but there was a period of time when I was in high school, I think it was high school, my mom was trying to force me into therapy and that's kind of, for whatever reason, oh, I know why, actually, I'll tell you why. I was trying to think, why, why was I so against it? For me, I was so against it because there was a period in, in, in my life where my mom, decided to get to, to heal herself. So she started going to therapy and then she started going to Al-Anon, uh, uh, Al Al right? And then she realized that she was an alcoholic and then she realized she was gay. And then she realized, I mean, it's like my whole world blew up in a, I mean, just fucking, sorry, disintegrated. And I, and to me as a 15, 14, 15, 16 year old kid, even though I didn't think I was a kid at the time, but kid, I, I equated that to, you know, she was semi-normal and then turned into a raving lunatic after going through all this stuff. So I was not interested in, in, uh, in the, anyways, my point is, so going back to the question is if you don't agree with therapy or let's say you don't want to do it. Um, and I understand you're probably going to say, Hey, you know, get over and, and, and do it. But, but what are some other things somebody can do if, and let's flip it around. Let's say that therapy is not really an option because there's not there where you live or, you know, you do interview any, everybody or your insurance, the two that they give you, uh, are not any good. I mean, going to a bad therapist is, could cause more damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if therapy is not really an option, what should people do? Well, so remember too, abusers love to pick the therapist that is either brand new to therapy, doesn't understand personality disorders, or is going to align with their agenda. So you do have to be very, 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 very careful if you choose to pick a therapist. Now, if you want to help your children without having therapy involved, you are going to start working on your own self-esteem with the Self-Esteem Workbook by Glenn Schiraldi. You are going to take what you learn from that and you are going to teach your children. Because what a narcissist does, what an abuser does, is they rip away the self-esteem. They don't want the kids to succeed. Not really. You know, they want them to succeed, but only on their terms. So they're praised for it. Does that make sense? So you want to instill in your children self-esteem like a boss. Like, no kidding. You're going to teach them mirror work. Hi, good to see you. Have a great day. I give you permission to be happy and then walk out. You're going to teach them boundaries. You're going to read The Disease to Please by Harriet Breaker. And you're going to teach them that the child is not responsible for the adult's happiness. So in working with divorce, oftentimes what the abuser will do is they will parentify the child okay. and the child will literally say to the other parent, I feel like so-and-so's dad, or I feel like so-and-so's mom. I feel like I'm the adult in the family. No, a child's job is to be a child, but the abuser will try to parentify them. So you must work on boundaries so that they understand they are not responsible for that parent's happiness. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm glad you said that. And, and I mean, and, and I'm glad, I'm actually glad the question came up because, you know, that comes up a lot and a lot of people are like, well, okay, you say do, you know, like, cause I, I recommend people use therapy a lot, but, uh, if that doesn't fit with you, but, but here's the thing, even if you were doing therapy, everything you just listed, you should still do anyways. You know, I mean, so yes. <laughs> I want to pull up, is this the, uh, uh, was this the book you were talking about? The self by Glenn? Yeah. Is that the, okay. And what was it? And what was the other one you were talking about? The Disease to Please by Harriet Breaker. And it's spelled B-R-A-I-K-E-R. D-R. How do you spell A-I. it? A-I. B-R-A-I-K-E-R. Baker, you said? Breaker. Breaker. All right, let's see. Oh, <laughs> okay. Never mind. That didn't work. I'll try. Hey, what, what we'll do is maybe you can send me the links and I'll put them in the show notes so people can find it. We'll do it that way. I was, I thought maybe I can use the technology to do something cool. <laughs> that was a complete failure. That was funny. <laughs> there you need, you need a disease breaker right there. 1195. It'll do two amps. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> so yeah, you want to work on boundaries. You want to work on self-esteem because those are the two things that abusers bust through all the time, all the time. And with the holiday season, getting back to that there is going they're going to hoover the kids guys they're going to hoover oh my the God. kids oh mommy misses you oh daddy misses you wishes you were over here guilt 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 oh guilt, yeah guilt. yeah even if you have them on thanksgiving or on christmas the opposing parent is going to be like you know and here's the other thing you must monitor the conversations you have to because if they think they can get away with manipulating the child on facetime they will so you must be there to stop any shenanigans. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's so tough though, because I, I struggled with that because the, uh, and, and I actually did, so let me back up. What I did on that is because the kids, when they first came over, they were constantly on the devices, right? So I was trying to pay attention to what was going on, uh, um, you know, but, but it, it's one of those things where it, it turns into a wedge issue. So... And then what I ended up doing for a while is uh, I would pull the transcripts off the devices and read it. And that was the most painful thing ever, right? I mean, to see in black and white, your kid just throwing you under the bus. But I didn't confront them on it. I used my military OPSEC training because whenever you learn something secret, you don't blow your methods and, you know, your methods and what uh, what the other word is. Um, right. But uh, what, what I ended up doing is uh, I, I just stopped trying to get involved in it because it just, it, what it was... It, I looked at it as a double bind, even though I didn't realize completely what that was at the time. And it was like, okay, what's the, what's the best of the worst solution, right? So if I stick my nose in there, the kids are going like, you know, why are you, you know, you know, mommy says you do all this and yada, yada. It was just making things worse. And I was like, okay, well, if I do it this other way, then it, it kind of minim minimized it. But what the other thing I ended up doing just to stop the time in the day is uh, I turned on the parental features of my router. So the network dropped at 10 o'clock every night or whatever the time was during school. And uh, I would, the cell service for the kids that had phones um, had a family, you know, Verizon has like the family plan or something or family limits or something to where you literally can say between these hours, you cannot make phone calls. You cannot text. You cannot have access to the internet from the, from right. the cellular side. And, and thank God it was during school time because I mean, then I could say, look, you know, you need to go to bed and, uh, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't say to him, Hey, I'm sick of the fact that 11 o'clock at night, you're texting your mom, you know? Right. So right. anyways, that's just, that was the approach 
that I, I think that's a good idea. What I'm talking about though, is that some abusers are so arrogant and so blatant that they will get the kid on FaceTime and start manipulating. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but let me flip this around. Cause this is what, what a lot of people on my side, uh, uh, on, on my channel and even on some coaching calls I've had, it's like, I'm sitting here. I only get FaceTime with my kid and the mom won't leave. It's like they're, yeah. they're standing right above listening to everything. I can't have a private conversation and you know, the child can't calm down because you know, the abusive person is right there. I mean, I, the only reason I bring that up is because I would imagine there's people, some people watching this that are listening to what you're saying and going, that's exactly what my ex does. I can't even, you know, I can't even get a moment with my child without and that is that is a problem and but it's again it's like you have to know what the ex though is saying to the kid if the if yeah. the abuser is the one that is got the kid does it does that make to kind of like head off at the past whatever bullshit the abuser is trying to pull but yeah i totally understand that there are <laughs> so like on the flip side like you said they will stand there they will sit there there's no private conversations the child is not able to communicate Here's something else that's scary is that the uh, healthy ex will give the child uh, phones so that they can call the parent in case there's an emergency and the abuser will take the phones away from them and not allow them to have them or they will go through every single text and there, there is no safe way to communicate with your child, unfortunately, when they're in the abuser's house. Yeah. There's just not. You know, and I don't know what to do about that because, again, this is a family courts issue. It really is. Right. The family courts do not understand how abusers think and what they do and the lengths that they will go to to alienate that child, to harm that child, to hurt you through the child. Yeah. They don't get it. They just don't get it. Or they don't even care. I mean, it's, 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 uh, uh, I was thinking of an article someone, I'm trying to think how to say this, but because uh, I don't want to be totally depressing. But there was an article someone shared with me in the UK where a toxic divorce was going on. I think there was there was physical violence from it before, and and the court systems completely failed. So, like the initial judge had said, okay, you know, keep the person away. A new judge comes in, and they're like temporary. You know, the 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 person says, hey, I want to be able to see my kids. They they grant access. They're going through this hearing. And three days before the ruling comes out where that was going to say, well, in this situation, it was that the dad should not be around. The mom takes herself out. Three days later, the court ruling comes down to say that she would have gotten full custody and, and dad was absolutely not supposed to be around the kids, ultimately to the effect that the kids were actually awarded to someone other than the dad. But it's like the system is not geared up to deal with this stuff. It, it, it no, isn't. They're not trained in personality disorders and 99, like we've said before, 99% of the cases are going to be personality disorder fueled divorces and custody cases. Those are the ones that do the, the crazy scorched earth policy yeah. kind of divorces and custody cases. So the one other thing, I just, let me just add one other thing. I just want to say to anyone who's listening to this, the, the key point on this, and I understand how stressful it is before a decision comes out. Because I know how stressed I was when I was waiting for the custody evaluation. And, and I mean, I was just constantly just, I mean, I was spiraling out of control. Wait until everything comes out, right? I mean, don't just, just, 
you know, don't claim defeat from the hands of victory. You know, give yourself a chance to see that what what comes out, what the ruling is, you know, maybe look at your options from there, but just don't prematurely do. And I understand it's so easy for me, to, not easy for me to say it, because I do remember how hard it was for me, but but you got to give yourself a little bit of time. Three days, three days in that story, yeah. you know? Well, but remember, that is the abuser's objective is to get you to kill yourself. Yeah, no, I know. That's what they want. That That's ultimately what they want. They want their target dead. It is the ultimate power control issue, and it is the ultimate ha, 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 I won. Yeah. So- with the holidays, keep in mind, the abuser is going to make it as miserable as possible. If this is your first year being divorced, you must take really good care of yourself. That means hanging around people that are supportive and loving. That means eating healthy foods, not all the sugary sweet stuff that's <laughs> wonderful, but you know, exercising, getting outside into the sunshine, get some vitamin D. Thank you very much taking care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see where I'm going with that? Because yeah, what absolutely. is for us to die. They want us to die. They want us to kill us. They want us to give up hope. They are, they are, they are the black hole of hope. They, <laughs> they don't want us to have hope. So there are going to be some rough times in this first year. You're going to have to go through all of the first. So you're going to have to come up with new holiday traditions and make it fun for you. Yes, yeah. your brain is going to go, oh, yes, I remember when we did, you know, caroling down the street and this, that, and the other thing. But you're going to have to come up with new holiday traditions and make them your own and live in joy because that's what they don't want. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and give yourself time to reacclimate to this new normal. I, 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 you know, I mean, I can remember back at the beginning stages of mine where it felt like it was just dark days. It was like there was, you know, the pain wasn't going to go away. There is no way to recover from this. And I look at it now. I mean, I'm, I'm nine years plus from this thing. And it's like the reality is the destruction of my, my marriage and the pain I felt through that and, and the betrayal. And I don't mean uh, like cheating betrayal, but I'm just talking about betrayal of trust for somebody in my situation, you know, for somebody who's known me for 20 years that I would have died for who now I can see is using every piece of information from two decades of us together, plus anything that I had said about my previous, you know, time before we met and got married is now being drug into court to try to destroy my reputation and my resolve, my hope just for their own personal gain. I mean, it's like, how do you, I mean, I would never, if, you know, if you told me something, Chris, if you told me something in private and, and was very, personal to you. And then we had a falling out. I wouldn't, I mean, even if I got to the point, I hated you, I would not violate that trust. Right. That's what normal people do. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't go on smear campaigns, but the abuser does. Now let's talk about presence. I want to talk about presence because oh, okay. the, the abuser will do one of two things. They will either shower the kids with tons of presents, trying to buy their love which is a possibility or they won't give the kids anything or, you know, or they'll give them very little because they're trying to hurt you or you'll get them presents. The presents will go back over to the ex's house and then the kid will never be allowed to bring it back over to your house ever again. Yeah. This is, what you do. 
No, I, I finally, you know, the way I made my peace with that is, uh, and this even went with clothes because, you know, that was happening with clothes. I'd, send, I'd get clothes, I'd send them over. They'd never come back, come back with things too small. And, and I didn't yeah. have the money to keep buying. Thank God I had really good friends who were, you know, like, Hey, you know, here's some clothes that from so-and-so it was hand-me-down type stuff. But some of it was brand new with, with the tag still on it. But, uh, I, I finally just said, you know what? I don't, I'm just, it's maybe a couple of things that were like super important, I wouldn't let him take over, like maybe some expensive electronic thing or something. But, but I'm like, you know what? Let do, do it's yours. You know, I gave it to you. If it goes over there, then fine. Because it just it gets to be a problem because then you're constantly fighting with the person. You're constantly, exactly. yeah, and that's what they want. Yeah, they want a dysfunctional connection rather than no fight at all because they are used to chaos, and so they will manufacture chaos any way that they can. So basically, you have to pick your battles. You have to pick your battles. Is it really worth it to fight over the present or, or mention the fact that they are, you know, smothering the kid in presence or whatever? And what you want to do is you want to have an open conversation with your child. You know, it's like you be honest with your kid. You talk to your kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you establish boundaries with your child. Please do not discuss my personal business with your mom because that is my personal business. Do you see where I'm going? Because that's the other thing that abusers will do is they'll pump that kid for information. Oh my God. You know, the thing is that it's funny you say that because I remember having that conversation and then that got spun to, uh, I mean, I knew, I mean, the kids wouldn't tell me anything that was going on over at mom, nothing. I mean, zero. And then at one point I did say something like that and it came back to me to where, or came back around that I was telling the kids to, to keep secrets from her. I finally got to the point and I'm like, you know what? I don't care anymore. There's only one thing I've told the kids. I don't want them to say to their mom and is that I do YouTube and they don't really know what I do, but I don't want, that's the one I don't, that is the only thing I've said to them in the last nine years that I said, do not talk about this. Otherwise, right. I'm like, I don't effing care anymore You because I can't control, you know. Right, exactly. And here's the thing, though. If you're teaching your kids boundaries and they understand the importance of their own privacy, right? they understand the, the importance of your privacy. Even though the abusive parent is pumping them from information, trying to make them feel guilty. So remember, any relationship that makes you feel fearful, obligated, guilty, fog, that is a toxic relationship. Yeah, you yeah. teach your child that. You teach your oh. child that. Okay, that was a missing so piece for me, I guess, early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you, I, I just, um, it just got to the point. What, what I ended up doing is, is like, okay, if there's something I don't want the kid, or I don't want the ex to know, I just don't tell the kids because it just, right. it just turned into a mess. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember one, I mean, I remember another point. Uh, my son has a disability and we were talking about him have, uh, being able to drive and he needed to do some extra testing to do it. And I was in an IEP at one point. And the teacher, one of the, one of the advisors or whatever is like, well, you know, what about, you know, doing your driver's testing? And my son's like, oh, well, you know, some people say I can't do it. And I'm like, who the hell said that? And my ex is like, you did. Right. So everything I said, my kids would say to their mom and then she would spin it to be, to make me look like a piece Mm -hmm. of crap. And I'm like, that's not, it was out of context. It's like, I didn't say that. I said, we have to go through you know, your neurologist said you have to go through these other tests to make sure that you're safe to drive. It doesn't mean you can't. There's just extra steps you have to do, you know, but it was like everything I said got completely spun. This is why it is important. This is why it is a good idea to go to a good therapist with the kids to explain what healthy communication is. Healthy communication is not flipping the script. 
Healthy communication is not manipulation. Healthy communication is not, you know, bad mouthing the other parents. So instead of directly saying, hey, mom or dad is a liar, you start working on, is this healthy communication or is this not? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Stupid guys, they'll figure it out. But if they've only, if they're only getting that manipulation coming in at them, and they're not getting the healthy stuff, they're going to go with the not healthy stuff. That's why I'm saying, get them with the healthy stuff. Teach them what manipulation is and how to avoid it. Teach them what flipping the script is and how to see it. Teach them fear, obligation, guilt, toxic relationship. Hello. Well, and I would say on that is, and especially as the kids get a little bit older. A lot of those behaviors are stages that kids go through. So it's super easy to find examples of it with little Timmy's friend, Susie or, or Billy or whatever. I mean, so you don't have to turn around and say, you know, your mom is doing this, this and this and it's wrong. And that's what, what I mean, what I would do is I would try to find examples that kind of correlated with what the ex was doing, but was um, was in their peer group or some other some other non, you know, not related to either myself or their mom to say, hey, is that really the appropriate behavior? Is that really how you want to be treated? Is that really, you know, and it's- Is that how you want to treat other people? Is right. that what you want to be doing as? Yeah, Exactly, absolutely. exactly. So to to wrap up, because I have an eight o'clock appointment, so it's- Yeah, we're about out of time. Eight o'clock here. To wrap up, in the holiday season, they're going to be Hoovers. Don't fall for them. They're going to do the holiday Hoover. Oh, baby, baby, do you remember Christmas? Do you remember Thanksgiving? Do you remember how much we loved being, doing this, being together, blah, blah, blah. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for the pandemic Hoovers. Oh my God, everybody's dying. We need to be together. Now is the time to get back. Uh -uh, mm -mm, don't fall for it. If you have got toxic family, you can choose to not go or you can choose to not invite them. It's okay. Or you assign roles so that they can't start their drama. It's very hard for them to pick up drama if their plans in their head gets disrupted. So keep them distracted. That's the best thing to do. Um, the holiday season is going to be hard on the kids too, because it's new. It's weird. It's different. They're not with you or they're with their, the ex or whatever. So good communication with them. Um, and, um, just take really good care of yourselves. That's really the best advice. Hey, Chris, thanks for, for joining us today. I know you got to run, but, uh, thanks so much. Great discussion. That went fast. We didn't even get a chance to take a phone call. So maybe okay. next time we'll have to do that. So have a great rest of your day and uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you. All Bye, right. Guys. All right, guys, that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, I know we got a little bit of time. Let me look and see what, uh, what else we got going on. Um, I know, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to grab this just because I do agree with it. Merge says, no, no, no. We teach our children boundaries. Live by example after you work on yourself. That is so critically important. Therapy is not a parent or a moral compass. No, it's an addition to potentially if you support that. I know Merge doesn't like their the therapy option, but it's, it's not the replacement for, and I'm glad you said that because that's a, it's a key point to remember to, to, to hit on is it's all combined together. You can't just find someone and say, okay, well, I found a therapist that's going to teach my kids how to deal with everything and I'm not going to do my part. That is absolutely not the case. So, and, and the last part is the therapist is not a parent or a moral compass. We are absolutely agree. Absolutely agree on that. Uh, on that guys, Hey, thanks you for hanging out with me today. Uh, I will be posting more information about the member only event that's happening tomorrow. On top of that, I am, uh, I'm going to have a guest segment on, um, Crap, I remember, I forgot the name of it again, but uh, uh, on Stevie J's uh, uh, podcast of, of 
it's a, a, a fundraising event uh, to talk about the Johnny Depp thing. I'll be on that tomorrow. I'll put a link in the community tab for that video uh, or for that live stream so you guys can check it out. And on that, the final thing I want to say is just thank you to the channel members who so graciously have clicked the button and are supporting, help support the channel financially to keep the lights on and the phone systems up and all that kind of good stuff. So on that, have a great rest of your day and I will see some people tomorrow uh, on that other on those other streams and I'll be back on Monday.